In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. Good morning, Cleveland. It's a breaking emergency podcast. I'm here with Jack Duffin and Ian Wright. Just podcast all about the reaction. And Jack, let's hear it straight with you. What's your reactions on the news that's coming out? It's, uh, it's news that I wanted. It's where my heart was from day one. Um, but the, the key thing is, as I've said through the last two head coaching searches, it's irrelevant what we think as fans. And even in terms of the beat reporters, irrelevant as well. They have got no idea what's going on inside that building. So anyone that tells you it's the best hire ever or the worst hire ever is just lying to you. They've got no idea. Um, it's all about, do you trust the person making the hire? And as I said last year, I wasn't sure on it. I didn't really trust John Dorsey. When it came out, Depot and um, Barry went the other way. I was not happy with the hire because I went, that, that's the guy I trust, and he went the other way. And where it stands this time, it's who you trust. I trust Deep Podesta, and I trust um, him to make the right call. So I, I think we've got the right guy. Excellent, Jack. Thank you much for that. Ian, what's your headline reaction? Um, I think it shows that Jimmy Haslam is finally growing as an owner. I think he was able to set aside his ego because all the reports were that he was dead set on McDaniels and he let Dee Podesta run the search. I think Dee Podesta had a stronger bank of candidates this year and Stefanski still came out on top. So I think it really shows us that Haslam's learning from his previous mistakes and is willing to listen to other people in the building that you know are able to fill in the gaps for him. So overall, I'm happy with the hire. Yeah, my first reaction is I got it wrong with Freddie Kitchens and also the um, uh, Hugh Jackson, but I would have liked a Mike McCarthy or someone who is proven in the uh, NFL uh, calling the plays. So that was my my view, but it is what it is. And as always, I will always back the uh, Browns manager. Jack? And if if we go to this idea that um, people wanted a... Um, offensive mind that had been a head coach it didn't matter what the experience was because the experience wasn't good with McDaniels and they wanted someone that had gone back to being an offensive coordinator I'll, I'll just point out someone that actually fixed that match that the Browns employed before that's Hugh Jackson just because someone has been a head coach and it went really bad and then they've been an offensive coordinator does not make them qualified to be a head coach again. So anyone going, you needed the experience, we needed a this, we needed that. You can look at a lot of similarities, obviously very different people, I understand that. But if you look at that just complete generalization of it all, and, and that is the problem, there's people just throwing out ridiculous generalizations. If you wanted someone that had been a head coach for, you may as well go back and just rehire Hugh Jackson. Because the idea that just because someone's been a head coach before, they're suddenly more qualified for the job is ridiculous. Um, and that, for me, is anyone that says it was McDaniels or Bust, basically go, go and appoint Hugh Jackson again. Because if they just had to have head coaching experience to be a good hire, then you're not in a good position and you're not making the right call. 
Yeah, I think one of the things that people confuse, and we've said it here several times, is just because your performance as a coordinator is X or Y does not translate to being a head coach. And, you know, in Hugh Jackson's case, he was one of the top offensive coordinators. He never coached on a head coaching level in the NFL. So a lot of the initial pushback we're seeing is, well, the Browns have not hired anybody since Eric Mangini that has been a head coach before. And while I understand that that is sometimes a prerequisite, they've gone, I mean, you can see times people have retread hired coaches left and right, and it's just not materialized. So the fact is, you know, if Stefanski is able to bring a staff with him that has, you know, a Mike LaFleur or Mike McDaniel or whoever, you know, and it also becomes now who's going to be the most important person on the defensive side of the ball, you know, you could be looking at the collaborative effort that we were looking for. I mean, that's ultimately what the goal was, um, you know, in previous. Yeah, Hugh was uh, the head coach for one year, 2011 for the Raiders. And um, I, th I think there was one really interesting point, and it's about going and catching sound bites. The one that I really liked from Albert Breer came out, two notes on the Browns searches. Um, Robert Sala was second. So um, he, he, they're really, really impressed with him. And he was sort of the wild card coming into this. No one had really linked him. I think we're the only people to interview him. And the other one was on why McDaniels didn't get it is um, Albert says, my sense is the problem was he just wanted sweeping organizational changes. They didn't want someone to come in and go, you're doing everything wrong. You need to rebuild. You need to do all this. That wasn't where we wanted to go as a team. Um, the whole burn it down and go in different direction. And you, I think there's two easy ones to point to that run the whole show. You've got Andy Reid in Kansas City. You've got Bill Belichick in um, obviously New England. Them two guys, they run it more or less themselves. Fair play. They're doing a phenomenal job. But you can't just go Josh McDaniels where it all went wrong last time and go, right, go, go out and run it and let's see what happens. And that's, that's a risky place to be. So I, I think we've run the search and it was a really long thought out process. And that's what I like. There was no sort of shotgun hire. Let's do anything. It's all good. Um, we just let it roll. So it's interesting to see. What sort of your view on the people that were very much like, oh, why haven't we gone with McDaniels? It had to be McDaniels. McDaniels has everything on paper. Well, I think what happens is, is and I was never as strong on McDaniels. I thought that the tides were really turning that way. You know, when Ben Albright came out and said he's 80% in the field. Again, I think your point of the egos in the building, Josh McDaniels carries an ego. So when you talk about a collaborative effort, you know, what Dee Podesta really stresses, I'm not sure how much of a fit that was going to be. And, you know, I don't know. People just saw it. Mike Garofolo just tweeted that given the ties between uh, Mike Prefer and Kevin Stefanski, there's a good chance that Prefer could stick around. And if you remember right, over throughout the week, especially on like Cleveland Browns Daily, um, Prefer was not granted the, uh, the ability to go interview anywhere else. So they kept him in-house, I think, surely on the sense that they thought, if we bring in one of these guys, we want to make sure he sticks around. So while they're not arranging the marriages, as some people will say, they are building a collaborative effort. So to your point of if McDaniels was going to be the hire and he wanted to tear this thing down back to the foundation, you know, that is a serious setback for a team that's in that one to two year win now window before all these contracts go, you know, to hell in the handbasket. So if Stefanski's coming in saying, no, I really want to keep prefer. I want to bring back Andrew Berry, who is familiar with, like, this is how you bridge that gap and say, I need to win now because we have such a short period of time with this talent. We need to do everything we can to win now. Yeah, and it's about the key thing has some spoke about. It's organizational alignment. Um, because you could look at 
the Dorsey hire and go, that works because if everyone's going the same way, fine. Could look at the Sashi hire and said, if everyone's going together, you get Sean McDermott, it could work. The issue has been, it was too many people pulling in different directions. You need to get everyone on the same page. Give them all contracts that match and go, look, if we're getting rid of one, we're getting rid of all three. And that could be De Podesta, Berry, or the Colts guy. I'm happy with both. And add in um, Stefanski and go, look, you guys, you're all getting four-year contracts. Four years, fine. Five years, whatever the years is. Give them all exactly the same one and go, look, your fates are all together. If all of you goes, we're clearing house. And let them know that because then it's none of this, oh, he said, she said, oh, you need to get rid of that GM or you need to get rid of that head coach. No, let them know. That's there. The one name I've already heard bubbling away. It's more from the fans' perspective, but defensive coordinator, Wade. Get Wade in here. Get Wade Phillips and let him have some fun with that team. Uh, we'll have to do a podcast another day. I don't know. I don't, I don't really want Wade Phillips in here. No. We don't have the talent. We don't have one starting linebacker right now. You want to run a scheme that's predominantly linebacker heavy? That could be, that could be really trouble, problematic or problematic. But uh, there's, it's going to be interesting. That is the next step. Obviously, you've got yeah. the GM decision between the two. I think it's more or less the two. There's people said maybe the Vikings assistant GM, but I don't think it's likely to be him. Um, you're looking at Barry or the Colts chap, and I always forget his name. Ed Dodds. Ed Dodds, who's very, very well respected within across the entire league. And then from the other side, um, offensive coordinator, will he go and sort of try and grab one of the two um, lads from, uh, what is it called? San Francisco. San Francisco, the run and the pass. They're both well-respected. Um, or might, he might go a completely different way. Um, Kubiak's son, I don't know what role he was actually doing with him. Um, that could be a complete wild card. Um, one, I don't think it's likely to be where he'll go, but you've got lots of intelligent people. And I'm not using the whole snubbery. At the end of the day, I've, I've got no degree. But if you put lots of really, really, really clever people together, usually really, really clever stuff happens. So there is lots of reasons for hope. I'm genuinely excited. Um, who knows? There's, there's, anything could happen. But we've got smart people there. The likes of David Njoku aren't going to be forced out because they didn't get on with the GM. And none of that nonsense anymore. Let, let's focus on winning getting the most talent together and really, really delivering. Yeah, and I think one of the things that we're going to see that's a little different is um, in past, Dorsey kind of ran the show and Haslam came out and said, we really want the head coach to do that. So those decisions about who's playing at the, on game day and stuff like that now comes to the head coach. But to your point, so Stefanski obviously worked for uh, Rick Spielman in um, Minnesota. Rick Spielman's actually a Central Ohio guy. Uh, he is the brother of Chris Spielman. But, yeah, you look at Mike McDaniel or Mike LaFleur from San Francisco, my guess is Stefanski, to get one of those guys, would have to give them the play calling because right now neither of them are in that capacity. So one of the reasons that um, Kyle Shanahan blocked Mike LaFleur to go to uh, serve under his brother, Matt LaFleur, the coach of the Packers staff, was he wouldn't be calling plays. So I could realistically see one of those guys coming over, or you have guys in those front offices in Seattle, Trent Kirkner, um, Scott Fitterer, um, you know, those type of guys that may come over. The thing is, is they're looking for a collaborative group. And, you know, that's ultimately, I think a lot of people were asking us why McDaniels didn't get the job. You know, if he comes in there, like you said, and he goes, listen, I need this, I need that. 
And, you know, I saw the stories come out about Indy where people were like, well, he didn't take it because this. He just came in because he wanted to get rid of the trainers and get rid of this and bring in this and bring in that. And it's like, you know, that to somebody like Paul D. Podesta is not going to be a, a, a check mark in the good side. Yeah, and you, you see where Stefanski uh, came in with the Vikings. He, he arrived and it was they were all using different terminology than he'd used. So he said, guys, I might be the offensive coordinator, but you guys all use the same terminology. So rather than me get all of you guys to get on board with me, I'm going to go away. I'm going to literally spend a week and I'm going to use all your terminology and we're just going to roll with that because it's not about me. And that is sort of, that's the sort of stuff you want to see with a head coach in side. And that is the sort of character you want there. And that's got nothing to do with how many sort of pass plays they used, how, how their offense did. And the numbers are really good with the offense, but it's the idea that there's something more than just me, me, me. And let's see if it works. We really, really have no idea. But let's just look at Eric Eager from PFF. Been on the show a few times. Absolute legend. The Vikings had two NFL caliber wide receivers on their roster, one of whom was hurt for more than half a year, an XFL player playing left guard, a center who cannot pass protect, and Kirk Cousins at quarterback. Top 10 in yards per play and eighth in points. That sort of stuff matters. So... The guy can deliver. Um, what it will do with um, his sort of play calling, personally, I would prefer the idea of passing over. But if you look at sort of Kyle Shanahan, first time head coach, he kept play calling. And based on this year, I think it's fair to say he's done a pretty good job. So, yeah, and, and this is another thing. Also, I see a lot out there. Kevin Stefanski's 37 years old. How is he going to command the locker room? Need I remind you for all the people, especially Browns fans, you know, most of them listen to the Tomahawk podcast. How glowingly do uh, Joe Thomas and Andrew Hawkins talk about Kyle Shanahan, who would have been 36 at the time? So the fact is, he came in there on day one, said, this is how smart I am. This is what I can do for you. And he's able to earn the respect of the locker room. So just because Kevin Stefanski's 37 years old doesn't mean he can't go into that locker room and earn their respect. And for all the people out there that don't understand, uh, Kevin Stefanski runs an outside zone running scheme, which is very similar to what we had now. So he had Dalvin Cook. We have Nick Chubb. I think that's pretty good there. Um, his scheme of multiple levels on route concepts is going to be similar to what we ran. So there's not too much of a change. The biggest thing that he had to learn this year, and which one of the reasons they brought in Kubiak, was how do we integrate the zone uh the outside zone blocking scheme along with the play action so having served under the the master of that the designer of that carry kubiak for a year he should be able to bring that to cleveland and implement those changes with baker mayfield because all the analytics and all the stats showed us that out of x formation and y formation and run and play action the browns were the most effective of anything else so i think stefanski is going to have a pretty good grasp of this offense and i don't think we're going to have that much change in terms of how we're going to you know scheme it up so to say now there's lots and lots to be hopeful for it's really really positive um there's lots of fans just looking at the headlines don't don't get too much into generalizations over this person's been a head coach for that person's been an offensive coordinator that person called plays you can find a case for every single thing in the nfl for why this moves great why this moves bad on pure generalizations every situation is different um if you want to just look at um KC um, and New England and go, we should only hire a head coach that's also the GM, does everything in the building, then you're never going to find another Andy Reid and Bill Belichick just by using their mold. Um, you'd be naive to do so. So 
remember that was a bad hire people said at the time when Andy Reid went to Kansas City so he was washed up the game had left him he was behind him all that stuff yeah so keep an open mind there's loads to be positive for I'm absolutely pumped I trust Depot Depot knows and uh, let's get them smart minds doing great things any points to wrap up in uh, I think ultimately what it is is there's a perception around the league about the Browns. If the Steelers had fired Mike Tomlin and gone out and hired Kevin Stefanski, people would be glorifying the move as the next greatest thing. So legitimately, the only knock that Stefanski has at this point is the fact that the Browns hired him because of the reputation that was built in the past. So that's where I think fans get a little too caught up in that stuff. And I'm not saying that they can't have opinions, but the fact is – Finally, Haslam didn't listen to the fans and go with McDaniels. He finally set aside his ego and went with what the numbers showed. So, you know, in a couple of years' time, we could be looking at the success Sean McDermott has. Or guess what? Uh, Kevin Stefanski won a game with Kirk Cousins in the playoffs. So, you know, I think that a lot of people knocking the thing are just looking for that sexy, I want to be on ESPN move. So I'm kind of happy we didn't go that route. Yeah, and just, just to touch on Mike McCarthy a week into the job, there's lots of hate and lots of stuff out there. He's not actually using analytics. He hasn't even bothered speaking to Dak Prescott. There's loads of stuff there. All the hype of, oh, he's changed this offseason is nonsense. So let's not pretend that some washed-up coach that's done it before is suddenly the answer to all of our prayers. I think the defining moment of the um, Kevin Stefanski hiring will be fans complaining in the future that he wasn't hired a year ago. So you heard it here first. Let's go Depot. Let's go Browns. Lots to be positive of. Keep the positive vibes going. Yes, we didn't get McDaniels, but McDaniels wanted to come and blow everything up. And we're not interested in rebuilding the entire front office and the entire coaching staff, everything down to like strength and probably would have fired the dinner lady um, because that, that's the kind of dude he seems to be. So uh, I'm happy. Not the, deal breaker, the deal breaker was when he came in and said that Zagura and Bo Bishop's soup lady had to go. He said, no soup for you guys in the cafeteria. That's it. You're out. Bye-bye, Josh. Goodbye. No soup for you, Josh. So enjoy the two games tonight. Two cracking games. That Seahawks um, Panthers, uh, Packers one should be a cracker. Um, I've got Seahawks plus four under 46 points. So I'm not expecting loads of points. Just get, show me the money. Oh, the weather up here is not all that good because that game's not too far north of me. So that's going to be interesting. It's blustery, it's cold, and it's windy. So that's going to be a fun game to watch at uh, 640. And on the final note, go Browns. Go Browns. Go Browns.